Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 3, Episode 8, Elephant Tales, the book, Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, the year, 1995, your hosts, Jeff and John, let's go. The myth in the band looked like if the testicle had a butthole on it, don't fucking try and explain a skater boy to me, okay? The young kids don't care for your jizz, they just want to hang around in their rooms and you're goth. Ball sacks, he says. What is up, my dudes? It is time for Expounded Universe. That's right. It's the podcast where Jeff and John, I'm John. And that's I'm Jeff. Jeff. Oh, shoot. Sorry. Nah, you don't get to speak. I'm out of practice. What is this garbage? Hi there, you, folks. I'm John. You don't talk while I'm talking. <laughs> Adults are talking. I'm two or three years older than you. That's some amount of years older than you. Some amount of years. <laughs> this is the podcast where we read old Star Wars expanded universe novels, and then we report back to you with all of the very dumb bullshit that happens within them. <laughs> Just like anything else we do, it's a springboard for nonsense. I'm sorry, uh, this is the last time I'm going to talk. I'm done right here. Good. Okay. And now for an hour... It's me, John. Okay, you, uh, so I'm, just to be clear, you can go ahead and turn my mic off now because I'm done after this. All right, so on, yeah. cut his mic. Can we Can we cut his mic? Go ahead and cut my mic after this. I am done talking. I'm going to let you do the intro as normal. Please, uh, please proceed. Please hang up on him. Get him off my show. Yeah. All right, coming up next, we've got the word of the day. Uh, let me just check your levels real quick. I feel like you're a little... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't know why I'm saying this into the mic. I don't These need to... These liberals... <laughs> Uh, folks, it's us. We're here. Hi there. It's time. It's time to dive into it. We've been reading Tales from the Moss Eisley Cantina, and uh, boy howdy, we got a doozy for you this time. It's the tale of the Deveronian. We're, uh, what, seven in? Eight. Eight in. This is chapter eight. Damn. And I feel like this might actually be the culmination of the first half of the book. It's amazing. Like, a few of the other ones we've looked at have had stuff where they're like, oh, yeah, I'm tied into one other person's chapter. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Muff Tack and uh, the Ithorian. Yeah, they had a couple of little connections here and there. Yeah, they'd be like, oh, remember when I talked to that guy? Well, I talked to him in this book. And I think Moma Nadon was also friends. Oh, wait, that's the Ithorian. Yeah, that's the Ithorian. Oh, gosh. And then uh, I think the Gotal guy, uh, he was connected to one or two of the others in very small ways. Yeah, we we get a little bit of connection between some people, but in this one, we get fucking this guy is like balls deep in the story right now. So the Deveronian's name is Cardu Sai Malak. Uh, the uh, the book was it's actually called Empire Blues, and it was written by Daniel Keyes Moran. And the reason I'm being so specific about all this is because hands down, this is the best Star Wars. This is the good Star Wars. This is this is good shit. This is this is that primo Star yeah. Wars. But uh, let's. I mean, to make it clear, basically Daniel Keyes Moran here basically reached out to the previous seven authors and was like, "Just give me your trash. Just whatever you don't need, send it this way. If if something needs to happen and you don't feel like explaining why, tell me what, and I'll explain it in my chapter. I will do all the background work for you." <laughs> yeah, I I feel like he got the preliminary chapters. Before he wrote his and was like, I can do that. Yeah, I'll just I got- work that into my shit. Mm-hmm. I loved this chapter and I like this guy. I love him. He uh, goes by the name Labria. Mm-hmm. He goes by the name Labia. Yeah, he's uh, Labia, which is a curse word, mm-hmm. which yeah. means cold meat. Yes. 
cold gray meat. That's what it stands for. Uh, no, it's it's Labria, and on his home world, it means cold food. Yeah. Uh, and he is a Deveronian, which if you don't remember what that is, he's the devil guy. Yeah, he's that guy that they had a devil costume sitting around and they ran out of aliens, so they were like, here you go, buddy. He looks like he's from that Santa Claus movie that like like Mystery Science Theater did, where they had the capering devil character. who was uh-huh. like, Aha, I'm the devil, I'll convince you to want additional toys. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, he is very clearly someone who was like, Hey, I uh, didn't really have a good idea for Halloween this year, but here I am. I'm the devil. I'm a devil in a Star Wars outfit. Here we let's, go. Let's do this. <laughs> and I've got some big white teeth. I got them big teeth. Like, he's got a goofball grin. If you take the devil horns off him, he just looks like some kind of 1950s nerd. Oh, he is just as, as happy as can be when yeah. we get a shot of him. Yeah, no, he's it's like someone just presented Jughead with a fresh pile of hamburgers from Pop's Chocolate Shop. Huh? <laughs> it is in no way dissimilar from that. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we we meet Labria. Uh, first of all, this guy is local trash. Like, he's the first one in the bar in the morning. Yeah, he is always the first one in the bar. And, I mean, he is he's friends with Woo Her. Sort of. Woo Her is there mm-hmm. when he gets in first thing in the morning, which I got to say, come on, man. You're contradicting Wooher's chapter where he doesn't get in until, like, the afternoon shift. Although, it could just be that he was working afternoon shifts that day. It could be. Yeah. Maybe sometimes he's an opener. I mean, he could be an opener. It kind of feels like he just, he got every memo except for the one about uh, Chalman, the Wookiee that owns the cantina, and presumably runs the opening shifts. Presumably. I mean, not like we ever see him. No, but I mean, like, I think it's because he got the chapters before his. Because, honestly, all the shit he does is only tied into what we've read so far. Oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, as far as we know, it could be that some of the shit he mentions that we have no idea about is from future chapters. You don't. You but don't. I, I really do feel like this was meant to be a capstone to the first set of chapters. Yeah. Because it, it really ties up a lot of what was going on with other characters. And it really ties the room together. Yeah, it gives us a sense of time scale as well. So, basically, he's always the first guy in the bar. And he drinks something he calls Maranzane Gold. Oh yeah. Although apparently he doesn't really he doesn't think it's Maranzane Gold. He's pretty sure he's being stiffed and that the shit in the bottle isn't actual Maranzane Gold. To the point where he like doesn't quite. He's just like, I'll take some of that amber liquid from the bottle, I suppose. I was like, you mean Maranzane Gold? That's what it says on the bottle. That's what the label says, indeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. I fucking love this guy. Yeah, Labria is a great character. He is just like very bored with life. Well, I mean, we got to tell people what the first line of the chapter is because it's fantastic. It says that the first line of the chapter, and, and this is a chapter that's done in first person. Yeah. So it starts with, I suppose it took about five minutes to execute the rebels that day, all told. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we jump right into him being like, yeah, hi, everyone. Like, freeze frame. You might be wondering how I got here. I'm a bad guy who got away with it. Yeah. He, uh, we find out he used to be, well, he's been in the military on Deveron Mm -hmm. forever. Yeah, for hundreds of years. Apparently, they're a long-lived species. Yeah, it says, like, 16 generations. There's a lot of the Deveronian that feels like this guy, this author, was allowed to say whatever he wanted about them. So he was like, oh, they're fucking super great. They're just the coolest race ever, and everything about them is fucking rad as hell. And the don't nice, you ask questions. The nice thing is, even though he's like, oh, yeah, the Deveronian, like, live forever, and they're super badass, and they're, like, 
awesome predators and, and they the, can see into the infrared and they it, can, but his character is just like hi i am local dirtbag hello sir <laughs> i am not a badass uh, the thing is even with all that there's still some scenes in this chapter where he's like yeah and then i ate that human because what's he gonna do i'm a fucking predator and he's a human <laughs> fuck him and you're like uh, I, all right i get it but yeah they get basically they get all the benefits from every D D race they're resistant to poison they can see into the infrared. They're super strong because they have, like, dense muscles. 90% charm slash sleep resistance. <laughs> he detects secret doors on a roll of one on a 1d6. There you go. Yeah. So. Uh, and he was working for the Empire when they took charge. Because he'd been working for the military for so long. He's like, yeah, I've been working back when it was just the Republic, and no one had ever thought the Republic was going to fall. See, I figured he was part of the Deveronian local military. Like, he was actually... Yeah. Yeah, he was in, he was in the Deveron army that, that was then absorbed by the Empire, and he was like, whatever, now I'm, now I'm a fucking lieutenant in the Empire. Who gives a shit? Yeah, because, I mean, he says that, basically, Deveron's a planet that doesn't really matter. It's mm-hmm. very but, sparsely populated. Nothing it, really matters, but it's close to the center. Yeah, it's close to Biss, which means it's close to, to Coruscant and the home world of everybody. Yeah, so, so because it's close to the Emperor, fuck it, he was just like, this is our world now. And the Deveronians were like, eh. Yeah, but then a rebellion started on Deveron, and there were hundreds of rebels, and they were fighting a huge, protracted, multi-year battle, all ground war stuff. And one time, this this particular guy, back when he was still called Cardu Sai Malak, captured hundreds of rebels uh, in, in part of some protracted battle, then got orders from the Empire to move on with no orders for what to do with all these prisoners. So he rounded them all up and had his army shoot them to death. Yeah, it was, we had captured all of these people, we took them prisoner, the Empire said to go do a different battle, leave no one to watch prisoners. And he was like, well, they didn't say, but I can read between the lines. All right, let's shoot him. So he killed like 500 of his own people. And then when the Empire finally started to actually lose the war, he quit. Well, he quit after that. Like yeah. a half year later, he was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. That, was, that was the turning point where I was like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm not really in the military anymore. I'm just going through the motions at the moment. And he quit in such a way that he could sneak away without being immediately murdered by his own people or by the emperor for quitting, or yeah. I guess by the empire for quitting. Yeah. And vanished. And and uh, then he went off on his own and did some shit. And at this point, he's wound up here on Tatooine, where he is a local Florida man. Yep. He, uh, man, Tatooine really seems like just a fucking black hole for these people mm-hmm. because he says it, and so many other people have said it before, where it's like, Oh, I wasn't supposed to stay here. Like, this was just a stop while I was going around the galaxy, and then some shit happened, and now I'm just a local. Well, yeah, I mean, unless you're a Tuscan or a, a, a Jawa, you're not from here. I mean, maybe you were born here. Like, like uh, I assume Shmi Skywalker was probably... I know Anakin was born there. Yeah, but, you know, very few people were like, oh, this is what I set out to do. Yeah, no What one... I set out with the goal of doing was going to fucking... Uh, Tatooine and hanging out in a shitty cantina. We saw a little bit of this in the Ithorian uh, story, but a lot of a lot of it makes me feel like this is one of those places in like colonial Africa in the in the early 1900s where there were all these like British guys that just wound up there because they quit the army while they were there, and now they spend all their time drinking in hotel bars and bragging about elephants. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bah, I saw an elephant the size of an elephant, and I <laughs> and, and, and I tell you, I did indeed shoot him with a rifle for such, which a little slave boy I had was holding at the time. Yes. I saw an elephant the size of two elephants. <laughs> of course, Bushwa! Of course, the elephant was riding another elephant at the time. 
<laughs> Turned out to be two elephants engaging in the act of courtship. Oh, well, I saw three elephants on each other's shoulders and had a trench coat on. They were trying to get into a movie theater. <laughs> oh, Cleve Dave, you're the worst. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> so, but that's basically what this is. This is the hotel bar in a place where people from the Empire go to die. Yeah, people from the galaxy are just like, oh, I I ended up here, and I, I guess this isn't the worst place to just live out the last of my dirtbag days. Yeah, no one's looking for him here, and one of the things we learn about, uh, about Labria is that he's got the largest single amount of credits I think we've seen listed since Shadows of the Empire on his head. The bounty for what they, what they call the Butcher of Montellian Surratt is five million credits. Five million. Motherfucking million credits. If you manage to bring this guy back to Deveron alive, you can start 100,000 bands. 100,000 bands. And you can call each one of them 100,000 bands, because that's a good name for a band. Oh, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd basically just be starting, like, the Space Polyphonic Spree. <laughs> the even polyphoniker spree. <laughs> the <laughs> Omniphonic Spree. We have five million members in the band. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I really want to start the Omniphonic Spree now. <laughs> Everyone in the world is in the band. They just don't know it. Yeah, everyone's <laughs> in my band. Shh, it's okay. Welcome to the Omniphonic Spree. Do you make some kind of noise during the day? Have uh, you ever made noise? <laughs> You're in the band. I clear my throat. Good, we got 30,000 guys who do that. Yeah, come on in. <laughs> so, uh, basically, he's hiding out here because no one on Deveron knows where he is. Uh, he is quietly drinking himself to death and musing about the life he used to lead. And one of the things I love about Cardu Simalok here is that he's not regretful. No, we don't have a lot of the things that we got from other chapters or even just other Star Wars stuff in general. He's not sitting around moping, nor is he like, oh, if only I could go back to my homeworld of Deveron. He's like, eh, fuck it, I don't give a shit. He's also not a Jedi. Or even a Force-sensitive. He's not waiting for a random or a rebel to show up and convince him to join the cause. And he's not aching to get off Tatooine. No, he is. he has no real allegiances outside of himself. Mm -hmm. And he's not, like, spending all of his time wishing he wasn't here. Yeah. No, this is great. This is a great character. I mean, sure, he's a piece of shit, but he's a well-realized piece of shit. Oh, yeah. And, honestly, he's... He's a fairly charming piece of shit while he's at it. I mean, he he tells jokes to woo her that are just awful. <laughs> he's the worst at jokes. It's so good because he'll like tell a joke to woo her. Woo her will not react at all and just be like, ugh. And then he's like, oh, come on, you son of a bitch. Well, one great. Of, one of the things about that joke that I, the first joke he tells that I love is that it, it tells us a whole new, it puts a whole new spin on the uh, Feltapern Travag story. Because he's basically, he sees Mium or Night Lily just sitting at the bar looking bored. Yeah, and the timeline of this is weeks yeah, before th that was the like, actual uh, encounter where Night Lily and Travag meet. Yeah, that's like two months before it. So what that establishes is that uh, Mium is not from another, or she's probably from another planet, but she's not desperately trying to get somewhere. She's a local. Oh, yeah. She is definitely like, oh, I'm not like 
Oh, I, I've been stranded here because of attacks. Oh no, woe is me! So, she was just straight up playing Gotals. Yeah, she was. She was running a scam on Feltapern to fucking murder him after she boned him. Oh yeah, she was like, oh, I know Gotals. They love those horn things. I've got some horn things. Let's do this. Yeah. I can probably take advantage of this guy. I'm, I'm gonna knife that guy up good and take some of his credits and shit. Uh, so, yeah. But he sees her sitting at the bar, looking, as he describes, bored and horny. And so he tells Wooher the worst joke in the universe. And he says, hey, Wooher, universal rule number one, never a hit on a female Hanemthi who is bigger than you are. Yeah. And it's like, dude, cut some of that out. <laughs> Brevity. <laughs> Come on, dude. Tighten that up for your five. <laughs> He's got the same problem that Lando had all the way back in Shadows of the Empire. Oh, yeah, where everything he'd be like, I'm going to make a joke, but it's time for me to give you like a three-sentence lead-in to the joke. Mm -hmm. He'd be like, why did a chicken cross the road? And by that road, what I specifically mean is Franklin Avenue the, between Delano and, uh, and 26th. And the thing you need to know about a chicken is, and you're like, come on, man. What, is this a joke? What are we doing right now? Now, the chicken was crossing the road on... It was a Tuesday. I think it was Lobot. Lobot, was it a Tuesday the chicken was crossing the road? It was a Wednesday, sir. Okay, the important thing about those is that the chicken was crossing the road at a slight diagonal. You're like, this joke is horrible. So, yeah, he's got the same problem where because the person who was writing the story didn't read the joke out loud, they didn't realize that it scans pathetically. Or, in this case, I'm willing to say it was probably on purpose. Oh, yeah. He tells, because he tells a few more jokes throughout mm -hmm. the, his chapter, and they are all just like, the shittiest jokes. I'm giving Moran a lot more credit than I was willing to give Steve Perry. It's true. Steve Perry, I, I feel like he just never once stopped and sounded out what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, the the writing of this character is so tight normally mm -hmm. that seeing him tell a joke like that, I'm like, oh, that's in character for him. Yeah, he's just shitty at jokes. So he tells he tells Wu Her this shitty joke to no reaction because Wu Her's regular and he's like, eh, that was uh, fucking trash. What's wrong with you? God damn it. <laughs> and uh, then he just sits around nursing a drink in the bar until Garandin shows up. And you know Garandin, he's the guy in uh, the first movie who just uh, chills out and then calls the Empire to let them know that he just spotted Han Solo in the Millennium Falcon. There you go. Uh, but for whatever reason, Labria here has no idea what Garandin is exactly. He calls him Long Snoot. Yeah, this is Long Snoot. He's got another name, but I don't give a fuck. And he's like, I tried Googling his name once to see if I could figure out what species he is, and I got five results, and the results were like Blessed One and Burnt Toast. Yeah, it was like, uh, his name either means like Blessed One, Toast, found dirt and you're like okay i get it but he never just goes but he's a kubaz though because he is and we all know it and and you know who else knew that was feltapern because he mentioned that he was into things that have uh snouts them like, snooters like like uh, rodians or kubaz them kubaz yeah so uh anyway there's a weird disconnect for various races knowing about other various yeah, races there's like this whole grid of who knows shit about what and you at the top of the grid you got guys like wooher who just knows everything about everybody Oh, yeah. He's like, look, I studied. I went to school for this. And then at the bottom of the grid, you got guys like Muftak, who doesn't even know what he is. He's like, I don't know. You're some kind of thing. I'm some kind of other thing. It's a special case. Towels don't even know that there are towels when they're born. They just have no idea what the shit they are. What's a towels? What is this? What am I doing? What am I, some kind of giant moth fella? What, what are we, some kind of suicide squad? <laughs> no! <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> what are we, some kind of doom patrol? <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, 
Garandin wants to sell Labria information. Labria thinks this is funny because he himself is an information broker. Yeah, normally he would sell to Garandin. He'd be like, oh, Garandin's an actual good information broker. Where I do it because there's nothing else for me to do around here. Yeah, he's like, I just basically sell information because... I'm a scumbag that hangs around in a bar. Sometimes I hear things, and I will sell it so that I can continue drinking he even, at this bar. He even gives us a little description of that kind of moment, where he spends a couple hours buying drinks for a, for a lonely stormtrooper and trying to suck information out of him. And he's like, tell me something about the Empire. And the stormtrooper's just like, sir, girls don't like me. Aw, I like a girl, and she doesn't notice me. I think I've been friend-zoned. Sir, do you think I'll ever find love? <laughs> Yeah, I like to imagine a Deveronian just listening to some sad sack fucking stormtrooper in a bar. It's like, oh, I like Stacy, but Stacy doesn't seem to notice me. Do you have any sort of advice for me? Perhaps some cosmic wisdom? It's like, I'm a Deveronian. I don't know. Just what, uh, fucking what, hang out. Would you like to enter into a devilish bargain with me, sir? <laughs> Uh, you appear to be the devil. I would like fiddle-playing skills. You know, the more I do this fucking Stormtrooper accent, the more it starts turning into fucking Kermit the Frog. I know, it goes all Ray Romano on you. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, I'm doing a Stormtrooper, and I said, God, Deb! <laughs> There's rebels here, Deb. Oh, Deb. <laughs> These aren't the droids I'm looking for. These ah. are my parents. <laughs> These are my parents' droids. It's not easy being a sand trooper. <laughs> Having to spend each day the color of not sand. Ah, uh, the color of not sand. He's like white. He's got a yellow shoulder pad on. <laughs> All right, so... But yeah, he Garandin comes rushing in and trying tries to sell uh, Labria some 50-credit information. Oh, yeah. And he's like, what the fuck are you going to sell me? And he's like, it's very pertinent to you it's very like, specific to you okay could i sell this to someone else no i don't see how anyone else would give a shit it's just you is your information a boy or a girl <laughs> yeah this just starts playing guess who does your information have a hat is your information ruddy of complexion <laughs> it, does does your information have facial hair <laughs> your information is that fiery figure and dan is in town <laughs> Uh, and he manages to figure out that it is indeed Figrin Don is in town before he even pays, mm -hmm. but he has to pay to figure out where he is. Yes, so it turns out that fiery Figrin Dan and the modal nodes have arrived in Tatooine. Uh, now, it's weird because he's like, where, 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 where? But there's really only like two places on Tatooine at this point. I mean, I mean that exist, yes. Yeah, I mean, Mos Espa technically exists, but no one had heard of it when he wrote this story. So you pretty much have Moss Eisley, maybe Toshi Station, and Jabba's Palace. Yeah. And you know what? I don't think bands show up at Toshi Station all that often, unless they need to pick up some power converters. The thing is, you have to imagine there's an entire planet's worth of other stuff that isn't just this one little shithole. And yet... <laughs> Moss Eisley, a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And also they have the best Denny's. That's why we're going. <laughs> we have to go to that, Moss Eisley, not Moss Espa. Moss Espa Denny's is trash. They won't let you play cards and get drink refills for an hour. I can play magic at the Moss Eisley cantina for hours and they won't say anything. <laughs> as long as I don't try to bring droids. <laughs> but yeah, like... So he he's like, where are they? It, well, uh, you know, Labria is, or Labria, I'm not sure, I'm, I'm going to keep flattening and sharpening that A, I don't care. Uh, Labria is good for his 50 credits, because he's not a disreputable kind of guy. So he pays the 50 credits to find out that the Modal Nodes are currently Jabba's house band. Yeah, now, 
We also find out that the reason he is so super into this is fucking Labria is into music. He's one of those weirdo audiophile people that you can convince to spend $3,000 on a bag of rocks because it balances the acoustics or something. Yeah, he is. He's got his own secret room in his house that's like, this is my listening room. It's slightly off, and it makes the highs a little too high, but you can balance it. But it's an octagon with sound-dampening fields in the corners, and it's the first part of the house that gets air-conditioned, and, and it's, oh, it's perfect. It's, remember back when you worked at Radio Shack, John? <laughs> do you, you remember? You had to have a couple of guys who would come in and do the... Uh, audio file thing where they're like oh, oh it's not better. at Radio Shack oh I figured that because you could still sell those coax cables that were like made with real gold oh yeah I mean that's the thing is if one of those people came in and they're like hey I need a connection for whatever to whatever I'd be like let me show you to my dumb expensive for no reason cables did you know that Platinum can conduct electric signals and sound far superior to copper. Anyway, buy this. It's $80 instead of two. <laughs> There's a whole internet community of those guys who were like, hell yeah, I spent $4,000 on a geometrically stable balancing table on which to place my power supply. Small fluctuations can make the, de- the parts of the wall that are the best sound slightly worse. Yeah, it's, it's just ridiculous. And that is his thing. But in addition to just... Being into sound, he is very into bands. Yes, he collects he, artists, oh, yeah, what the way he describes it. He's one of those people that's like, oh, I've got all of the weird imports and live sessions. I'm He's he's one of those people that would like trade live session tapes of fish. That's like, oh, yeah, I had to get the one from like 98 in Pittsburgh because that show was amazing. That's just every fish fan. Well, yeah, but that's yeah, true. He's the kind of guy who'd be like, I saw Radiohead in 1991 at a warehouse in San Francisco. I think there were only like six people there. <laughs> yeah. He is one of those people that has just recordings of everything that was amazing. And he's like, oh, yeah, there's all these bands that are dead or broken or the lead singer has been executed by the Empire or whatever. And I've got them and I've got like the only recordings of them and they're all worth, you know, a ridiculous fortune, and some are priceless, but I'll never part with them because that's me. I love music. Yeah, he's a big old audiophile. He loves music, and he loves to collect bands where the band was disillusioned or, or, or uh, broken up by the Empire or by any other thing like that, where it's like when oppression killed that music, he likes to collect the pieces. Well, yeah, like the reason he was on Tatooine to begin with is he was chasing after some artist. Janet Lalafar or something like that. She and, was a fanfare player. And was like, okay, oh, no, I, I got I to gotta find this lady. She never announces where she's going to play, because if she did, the Empire would show up and capture her. Mm-hmm. So he's just like chasing her across the galaxy, trying to find out where she's going to be. And when he finds out that the Empire has, in fact, captured her, he was on Tatooine, and then he just sort of gave up. Yeah, he just stayed there instead. So he has a massive music collection. And when he listens to music, he sits naked in a cold room, and then he has this whole kind of philosophy he describes for what music does to him. And he's like, music is the only thing that's like a predator, and I'm a predator. You see, when you're a predator and you kill something, you die with it. It becomes a part of you, and you become a part of it. You die as you kill, and music is the same. Oh, yeah. He's basically like, music is the little death. (laughs) Ah, music brings me to to the point of non-existence, and then I am reborn within it. Oh, yeah. music. It's, it comes across as dumb and smug, but you're like, whatever, it's his one stupid hobby. It is uh, his only thing that he gives a shit about. Yeah, it's his, it, as he just says himself, my number one reason for living. Yep. He listens to music. So, 
basically he puts the wheels in motion for Lady Valerian from all the way back in chapter one of this book of this book to go try to recruit the Moldal nodes to play at her wedding. Well, yeah, I mean, first he ends up getting super fucking fucked up. Oh, because yeah, he does some shit he, with Jabba. Yeah, he goes to Jabba, and at first he's like, okay, maybe they're playing for Jabba. I'm not going to be able to get him away from him, so I'll just try and listen to them at Jabba's. Yeah, his plan is to go to Jabba's palace and be, just become one of those weird hanger-on aliens that's just hanging around in the throne room. He was like, yo, I've got information. There's a super awesome, badass soldier that's in town. Uh, he is super smart as well as being a ridiculously good soldier, and you could hire him. It would be great. Yeah, his and, name's Obron Metlo. He's a Morin. And uh, if if you do, you should you should bring him uh, to meet you and maybe, I don't know, maybe play some music for him? That that should be good, right? A light dinner and a show? I huh. hear he likes jizz music. Yeah, and I'll, I'll bring him to, to see you and then we can listen to some jizz music. What do you like to drink? I'll bring whatever you like to drink. What do you like, white wine spritzers? Some of that sangria? I make it with Sprite in it that has that great Mio stuff. It is out of sight, trust me. You're going to want uh. three or four purple solo cups of this. So uh, what do you say? And Job was like, oh, that sounds great. I love the idea of this super awesome dude. Anyway, just tell him to show up here. You are not invited. <laughs> Douche. <laughs> I I love the idea that Jabba knew. He was like, "Oh, you just want to listen to the fucking band." Okay, yeah, sure. I'll I'll take your information. Anyway, fuck off. You don't get to listen to it's them. It's not even just that. He's trying to be so so uh, like like uh sycophantic to Jabba that he's using the fact that this particular Deveron, that uh Cardu Simalok here was born with both male and female teeth. And his female teeth are retractable, which is why he has those big, goofy shoppers in the movie, is because those are retractable to reveal cool, sharp predator teeth. Yeah, the Deveronian is, males have all just like super sharp carnivore teeth, and the women have like some canines, but they also just have regular like molars and shit because they can eat plants. Yeah, they can eat whatever. So he's got both sets of teeth. One in 50 Deveron uh, men is born this way. And it's so that they can be scouts for the tribe because they can range farther without having to hunt. They can eat some plants or something if they need to. But his lady teeth are retractable. Oh, it, my retractable lady teeth. <laughs> that's another really good name for a band. I saw retractable lady teeth open for Radiohead in 1991. Oh, man. I saw Omniphonic Spree, and I'm still seeing them, and as is everyone. <laughs> I saw a stack of four elephants, each one of them a member of the Omniphonic Spree. My God! <laughs> each one was playing the elephant below them. The one on the bottom was playing the very earth. <laughs> All right, so, okay. Uh, so in order to speak Hatties, he has to use both sets of teeth, constantly retracting his lady teeth and then bringing them back down again in order to make interesting sounds in Hatties. Yeah, them, them Hatties noises. Yeah, and then, uh, but... None of this sycophantic nonsense works, and Jabba just straight up rejects him by making a noise that he... I love this part, this little description where he's like, and then Jabba made a growling noise to indicate that I was dismissed. I've heard Deveronians make it, but it takes 50 Deveronians. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I also like that even at the very start, Jabba refers to him as my least favorite spy. Oh yeah, everyone's got a shit name for this guy. He's just been a hanger-on for forever. Yeah, they're like, hey man, you've been on Tatooine for so long... And you are the shittiest information broker. He's the unflushiest, driest piece of poop in the toilet. He's just hanging out, and everyone's like, yeah, no, that's just Labria. He's just he's just here. He's local color. He's just this guy, you know? He'll, he'll be in the bar. Don't worry about it. 
So he goes home thinking that maybe once that, that uh, mercenary is sold to Jabba, that then he'll be friends enough with Jabba to go see the band. But instead what happens is the moment the mercenary gets there, he gets in an argument with two, re- with two uh, Gamorreans, kills them, and is then himself fed to the Rancor. Yeah, and uh, before he can do anything to be like, oh shit, Like Jabba's going to really fucking hate me for being the one who introduced this, he gets mugged and has the ever-loving Christ beat out of him. He literally spends weeks in traction at his house, pretty much just hanging around in his shower. I love that he's like, yeah, I just sat in a shower, naked, eating a piece of meat, and just being like, oh, fuck. <laughs> Wooher has to find him in the alley and then lift him to his house, but he's like, careful when you lift me, Wooher. My species is stupid dense. I'm so thick I'm with st- two C's. I Extra thing, thick. Can I tell you one of the things that made me sad in this chapter was the point where he's talking about how there's two other Deverons on uh, Tatooine. Yeah. And one of them's his buddy, and they've, they've pulled a heist together, and the other one might know who he is, so he never talks to him. But then he's like, but the worst part is that the nearest female Deveronian is on the other end of the core, and it fucking sucks. Yep. Unfortunately, the special edition added a lady Deveronian to the band at Jabba's Palace. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, he doesn't know that. <laughs> he's... Well, his horns would sense it. Every, no, every, he every, doesn't have Gotal horns. Yeah, but he's got Deveronian horns. Yeah, Deveronian horns are just there to ward off predators. Notably, they ache when he thinks about ladies. Hell yeah, he's got them <laughs> horned off. It's like, I can't sense that other women are around because my dick hurts. So <laughs> you, you can't? Know, no. Maybe it's because my dick got injured in the war. Maybe. <laughs> I've got, I've got a, I've got a crick in my dick, and uh, whenever it's, uh, it's gonna start raining, ladies, it hurts a little. <laughs> There's a little uh, more barometric pleasure than or barometric <laughs> pleasure. pleasure. I, I saw, saw them barometric open. pleasure. <laughs> God damn it! Five elephants, <laughs> each of them playing a different instrument. Oh, <laughs> uh, God damn. <laughs> Fucking traveling around in the Pope mobile called themselves barometric pleasure. <laughs> Ugh. Fuck the bands t- that are coming out of this. <laughs> I can tell when they're in town because of an injury in my old war dick. <laughs> my old war dick. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> anyway, he gets mugged and the shit beaten out of him, dragged to his apartment by Wooher, where he just spends a bunch of time, like weeks, feeling sorry for himself and eating in the shower. Yeah, he's just like, all right, my arm is currently useless. I have been beat to shit. I'm just going to hang out in the cold, eat meat, and just recuperate for as long as I can. So finally, once he recuperates, he gets a crazy idea in his head for how to free up the, the Modal nodes so he can see them without getting murdered by Jabba. He convinces Lady Valerian that they're the best band on the planet and that she needs them for her wedding to Duop. Yeah. He's like, look, they're the best band and... Don't you deserve the best band? They're the only jizz band ever that had their music written for them by John Williams. You <laughs> need to get this band. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, that obviously works, as we found out in the first chapter. Mm-hmm. So Lady Valerian goes and gets them and blah, 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 and Wooher gets shot at by a droid and blah, blah, blah. Oh, one thing I really wanted to mention here is that after Labria finally manages to limp his way out of his house and go back to the bar, Wooher gives him a shot of the real stuff. The real deal Holyfield. The actual Maranzane gold from an unlabeled bottle, bottle hidden under the counter. Yeah, he's like, and here you go, on Dr- the house. Drink that before anyone else gets in here. In a rare moment of actual kindness from Wooher. Yeah, I mean, in this, he says basically that Wooher is his best friend. Yeah. But they have like one of those friendships where they're just like, hey, fuck you, buddy. 
I think he's Wooher's best. Wooher is his best friend in the way that he is an alcoholic, and Wooher is the bartender. Exactly. He is he is Wooher's best friend in the same way that Norm is the best friend of I forget the name of the bartender. Sam, is it? Yeah, Sam and Diane. They oh, will, yeah. Will, will they? There's a little they? ditty about Sam and Diane sucking on chili dogs as fast as they can. That song's way better if you use sucking on chili dogs as everything that anyone does in the in the song. Oh, yeah. It's like uh, the microphone smells like a beer is every other line in Piano Man. <laughs> That's the best way to sing Piano Man. It's the only way to sing Piano Man. <laughs> He's talking with Davey, who's still in the Navy, and the microphone smells like a beer. <laughs> Try it yourself sometime, everybody. It's the best. It is the greatest. <laughs> There's an old, old man sitting next to me, and the microphone mm. smells like a beer. <laughs> Uh, okay so he gets a shot of the real Marin Gold. he convinces Lady Valerian and the the events of chapter one happen then we finally get to the setup point where actually Figrin Dan is showing up with Doik Nats and and Ichabel Gaunt and the whole team to play jizz right here in the in the bar and that means that we've moved forward several weeks so he approaches the band yeah and I mean I'll give this to him he at least doesn't like fanboy out. Oh, he's not fanboyish at all. Like he's got all these opinions about them where he's like, "Oh, uh Figrin Dan is the most reckless crazy clue player that's ever been a genius and every time Doik Knott starts playing on his fizz, oh, he's so cautious and careful, but every once in a while he gets the fire in his belly and he plays as well as Janet Lalafar ever did." Oh, the whole band just they all come together and they all are amazing and everything's great and sometimes they're a little off, but sometimes, sometimes you get the magic. Sometimes there's a man. And I won't say hero. <laughs> but I will say six elephants. <laughs> six of them stacked on top of each other three by three. <laughs> they formed a pyramid. <laughs> And on top of Pharaoh, also himself an elephant. <laughs> the Pharaoh elephant, he came down and said, my name is Ramesses. <laughs> and I told him, of course, that my name is Oliver, but uh, but he disagreed. <laughs> he had none of it. <laughs> Gave me a right good thrashing for my trouble. <laughs> oh, goodness, he had his own scepter, he did. <laughs> Bogged me about the head and gave me a cauliflower ear. <laughs> but Oliver, you seem to have no cauliflower ear. <laughs> oh yes, this was years ago, my boy, years ago. I was still in the service at the time. Indochina. <laughs> I was I was in the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. <laughs> Couldn't even see it was so dark. <laughs> this storyline has nothing to do. I love it. I I love that this part of I am engaged with these <laughs> British soldiers in Africa that are just full of shit. Increasing the number of elephants. Just, just increasingly <laughs> drunk and increasing the number of elephants in their story every time. I saw eight elephants playing cricket. <laughs> I saw a full baker's dozen of elephants. <laughs> just standing around. And of course, everyone knows a baker's dozen is nine because bakers are cheats. <laughs> Especially if they're Scots or Prussians. Ah, those Prussian bakers get you every time. <laughs> so, L- Labria approaches the band and doesn't really fanboy out. Instead, he challenges Figrin Don to some sabak. Oh, yeah, because he's like, I am one of those people that's like, I don't just know the band. I don't just know their music. I know, like personal details he has like the tiger beat magazine that has figure and don in it yeah because he knows that figure and don 
is a gambler and will straight up go do any sort of gambling. He's like, oh, I know everything about you guys. I even know Yikin Spicklaunce, the lighting guy. Oh, you all think he's officially, unofficially the eighth member of the band. That's what <laughs> everyone calls him. Old Yikin Spicklaunce, the eighth member of the Modal Nodes. Old Yikin Spicklaunce? <laughs> That's correct, yeah. Good. I was just making up uh, names for this species. What do you think? Pretty good? <laughs> yeah, you know, you can spit launce. That sounds like a thing you'd Whoa, see. Whoa, spit launce. Whoa, hold on. Careful now. You don't want to accidentally say a huge insult in some language. Uh, yeah, that S- might mean something weird. Like toast or blessed one. <laughs> <laughs> blessed toast. <laughs> so, of course, because Figurin Don is a big dumb idiot, completely agrees to gamble anyone for a 20 credit minimum. Oh, yeah. He was like, hey, man, you want to you wanna play some sabak? And he's like... I'm good. It's fine. He's like, 20 minimum buy-in. Ooh. Can you back that up with cash? Well, no, because it's credits. No, I, I can't. No one can back anything no, up with cash. No, no one has ever seen any cash. No one knows what a cash is. <laughs> we aren't on the gold standard, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the teapot dome scandal has come and gone. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he is, he is going to play Sabak with Figrin Don, but this is when we find out that Ooh, Deveronians are super, super special they, outside of being dense and strong, strong and hard, sharp teeth, retractable and lady teeth, fucking more, crazy predators. More of them are Jedi than normal. What we do find out is they can see into the infrared. Yeah, they've got dwarven infravision. Yeah, that, well, he's like, oh, it's super useful if you're on a cold planet which apparently devron is to be able to see heat and i'm like well yes i mean it would be very useful if we could see heat we don't but things on our planet that need to can like bees can see infrared but okay so anyway it turns out he's marked the cards with infrared symbols that only he can see so he can easily cheat figurin don now if you've been a patron of us for a while you'll know that a while back I did a segment on Sabak. Uh-huh. I told people about it. There is zero reason to mark cards in this because you don't use cards. You use basically like tiny little tablets that can randomly change what is on them at any given point, which means if you mark the tablets, that means fucking nothing. Well, I mean, okay, so... Here's the problem with that. W- Wikipedia nowadays is an e- easy resource for us that tells us that Sabak is a stupid game played with multiple holographic tablets. Yes. But I don't think this guy knew that. I think he thought Sabak, based on like some visual encyclopedia from the 80s, was just space poker. I mean, I assume he just thought, like, what's Sabak? It's space poker. You play it with regular cards. It is probably literally just poker yeah it's space baccarat you need to try and push cards till you hit nine or something no i'm pushing these cards no one knows how to get how to play baccarat unless they're spies (laughs) (laughs) that's it when you see people at a baccarat table you're like oh god damn it spies are here all spies there's just six spies six spies all of them trying to get information out of the other ones Mm -hmm. all of them unwilling to give information (laughs) it's the most boring table now pie gal all old Asian moms, best table. <laughs> Pygao table, great. Everyone drunk, no one cares. Oh, it's so good. Even the spy. He's just over there going like, Russian secrets for everybody. Hey, I won again. <laughs> Who wants a Russian secret? 
The Russians don't have very much food. <laughs> it's a secret. Deal. Deal. <laughs> I'm a vampire. <laughs> yeah. That Russian got turned into Dracula real quick there. <laughs> I'm, I'm having a good day, John. I don't know. Like, my accents float more when I'm happier. <laughs> so, anyway, because he's a big cheat, using a, a, I hate this whole using your species to cheat at cards thing. Eh. It's not. It's it's one of my least favorite things about Star Wars cards is that every time it's like, well, because of my species, I'm quite good at reading people or cheating or something. And you think if if someone's a a, a regular like addict gambler like Figurin Don is, he wouldn't fall for that shit. He'd be he'd have already learned all those rules. Like you would almost imagine it would be fine if you were talking about a human because mm-hmm. humans sort of canonically kind of, the of the galaxy at this point. Yeah. yeah, canonically in Star Wars, humans are just like. I don't really care about anyone that isn't a human. You know, maybe I have a couple alien friends and I know about them, but that's basically it. I mostly have a hu- an alien friend so I can show off that I have an alien friend. Oh, yeah. It's mostly so that when I make a racist joke, I can be like, but I've got an alien friend. <laughs> and that's why Bith make terrible chimney sweeps. <laughs> what? What? Look, I have a Wookiee. <laughs> that's... What? That has nothing to do with Bith. Eh, they're all aliens. <laughs> so... <laughs> yeah, I, I I would be okay if Figurin Don was a human and was like, oh, I don't know anything about Deveronians. Who knew that they could do that? But as, like you say, as a, like, avid gambler, someone that is always doing that, you'd think you'd have a small list in your pocket that is like, do not gamble with these. Well, notably, the big one would be, do not gamble with the guy who asked you if you'd like to gamble's cards. Yeah. Like, even if... It's a bare minimum. You should be like, oh, yeah, totally. Let's go play a, a quick game of Sabacc. But first, let me stop by the bar and buy a fresh deck. Yeah. I'm not playing with whatever marked up shit you have in your pocket, creepo. No. When some guy comes up to you and he's like, hey, man, you want to play some craps? We'll use my dice. You're like, no, thank you. No. I would like to play with random dice. That's why they sell dice at liquor stores. Yeah. That's okay. Thank you. No. I will use fresh dice. Yeah. So that's a big problem. It's it's a plot hole, but hey, maybe figuring Don's just a big stupid idiot. Maybe. Anyway, it ends with Labria own, owning all of their instruments, except, of course, for Doiknots' fizz, because Doiknots don't gamble. Yeah, because Figurin Don owns everyone's instruments, so he had to gamble them away. Well, now Labria owns every single one of them. And that means the bar's even more stuck there, or the, sorry, the band is even more stuck at the bar than they ever were. Yeah, and he made a deal with Wooher that's like, hey man, since I got you the raddest band around to play in here, how about... Free drinks for life. Mm-hmm. And that's that's one of those things where if you know Deveronian or long-lived, you're like, hey, man, don't try and fuck me like that. <laughs> like, free drinks for life is not going to be 200 years from now. You're like, who wants a drink? Oh, it don't matter. He, he means, two, he means uh, free drinks for life, whoever dies first. It's not like whoever replaces Wooher in 40 years is going to be like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely honor that last fat dead guy's bargain. <laughs> ah. Oh, it was in his will. <laughs> That's, Honor my dumb fat bargains. It's not going to happen. I mean, Chalman's going to shut that shit down, and Wookiees live really long times, too. I love my fat dead bargain. <laughs> I love my fat dead bartender. <laughs> so, Penguin. Uh, so, yeah, he ends up basically haggling with Wooher to the point where he's like, look, you can have seven free drinks a day as long as the band is here. Mm-hmm. As soon as the band leaves... The deal stops, yeah. and anything past seven, you pay for. Yeah, and so so uh, Cardu, Simulac, or Labre, or whatever, is like, fine, and then he goes off and buys off the band's instruments so they can't go anywhere, and now he's sitting pretty and made in the shade. Yeah, he gets to 
listen to his one of his bands that he has been dying to listen to live for a while. He has free drinks. Yeah. And wouldn't you know it, the first time he tries to sit down and listen to these guys, the band he has been waiting for, shit goes down. Some annoying shit happens. We don't even describe what it is, but it's definitely that a bunch of people get like into a dumb fight and the band stops playing and it's the yeah, worst. Yeah, it's like, oh, they were just getting into it. And then somebody cut someone else's arm off with a lightsaber? Oh, who fucking cares? Who fucking has one of those? Anyway, they started up, really got into the swing of things, then fucking Han Solo shot a guy. What a dickbag. I'm trying to listen to the Modal nodes. Anyway. He's, he's even like, I would have shot Han Solo if I had a gun, but eh. Yeah, he interrupted my fucking music. I would have shot that guy had I a gun. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, back to the band. And that's, that's the end of it. I love that his section, because everyone has to have that section yeah, where they talk about the scene in the Moss Eisley Cantina. The Dr. Evazon and Ponda Baba show. But his is... A small paragraph that does not mention anyone but Han Solo by name. Mm-hmm. He's just like, oh yeah, some guy got his arm cut off. I give zero fucks. I am not paying attention. <laughs> That's all it is. I I love him. And I mean, at the end, he's like, great, I've collected that. Everything's wonderful. I I am happy to be here and having my free drinks. That is it. He's not like... Time to get off planet. There's no one who came up to him and was like, I have a secret deal for you. I'm Jace Daxon, known rebel. Would I'm you like Dax to join? Jaspin. <laughs> I'm Tank Hardcock. Want to <laughs> join the Empire again? I'm Ace Cool Penis. Want to j- join the Rebellion? <laughs> <laughs> no, fellas. Thank you. Thank you, no, but I will have a drink. <laughs> I'll have one of my seven free drinks. <laughs> so, uh,. But yeah, he, he's just planning to continue to be some shithead local lifer who just hangs out in a bar all day. Yeah, he just, he manages to get what he wanted at the end of the book. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone else had weird shit that they were like, sort of trying to get after. Mm-hmm. And most of them seemed to get it. Yeah, like the Tonica sisters managed to get away with that hammer tong thing. Yeah, and you know, I think the only one who, I mean, even then... Felter and Trevag got laid. Trevag got what he wanted. Yeah. He just got a little more than he bargained for yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, so everyone kind of gets what they want, but also nobody's really satisfied with it at the end. They're like, oh, I've got this thing, and now it's time to do whatever. He's like, I got this thing. Good. And now to drink. Yeah, everyone else was like, I got my HP and MP restored, but I'm still hungry. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Bringing it back to the chrono tree. Oh, don't explain it. I got to explain it to all of those people that are so young they don't know what a Super Nintendo is. <laughs> or an Enertron. <laughs> they don't know what an MP is, kids these days. <laughs> no, more kids these days know what an MP is. They're moving away from the Vancian. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's the story of Cardu Simulok, this, this shitty piece of shit who still kind of gets what he wants because he wasn't asking for much. No. He is a Deveronian that basically has one interest. He <laughs> succeeds at fulfilling that interest, and that is all he cares about. Uh, one of the things I really liked about this chapter that we didn't mention is that he's got this kind of religious thing that he does every once in a while where he mentions grace oh, or shame. That's and, right. And he, he has grace as a thing. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is a chance for me to demonstrate grace, or I'm spending so much shame on this that it would have cost me grace on a different day. But he never explains what the fuck that is, and I love that he doesn't. Oh, yeah. There's a point where he's talking about, like, oh, someone was dealing with someone that was so annoying. The fact that he didn't murder them means that he was 
almost full enough of grace to reach like whatever their nirvana thing he called it. Yeah. But he never stops and explains like, oh, yeah, this is part of my religion. I believe in like a grace and shame based economy. He just talks about it minorly here and there. And it's awesome. Because in the Feltipern Travag storyline, he like he has these great descriptions. Feltipern does where he's like, ah, this room feels smoky and electric because of my horn buzz. But that's because as a species of Gotal, I have horns that pick up senses in the electromagnetic spectrum. And, it t- and I translate it in my mind to colors, which I will describe to you in the book. But this guy's just like, nah. I'm demonstrating some grace. Don't worry about what that is. Also, let me just say, this is one of the few times, I'm not going to say in Star Wars, but really just in fiction that people will write where you've gotten more than like halfway through a book and someone pulls the puppet master thing where they're like, oh, all of these things that have happened earlier in the book, I'm the one who caused it but they don't go all puppet master on it. It's not like the Deveronian is sitting there like, yes, I've got strings and wheels within wheels. He just happened to be there. Oh, yeah. The whole thing with the band was just done entirely out of self-interest. Oh, yeah. It's not like, ooh, and this is all part of my grand scheme for things, and I'll I'll pull a thread here and a thread there. He's not shizoring. No, no. He's a fat drunk eating a chunk of womp rat naked in the shower. Oh, yeah, he is definitely the kind to have a shower beer and just hang out and be the most disgusting bachelor ever. Yeah, if he owned a car, he'd also have stock in road sodas. Yeah. He's just a piece of shit, and I, and I love that about him. Yeah, he is great, and the fact that he's, like, doesn't immediately go off on that puppet master thing made me very happy. Can I also say that... They only got a one-sentence mention, but he mentions the Tonica sisters in the very beginning of the chapter, and he notes that they are definitely human clones... And that's perfect because it's like four weeks before the storyline where the tonic, where the Mistral Shadow Guards show up, which means he's looking at the actual Tonica sisters. Yes. He, because we don't quite know the timeline until he actually gets injured and then we get the events of the first chapter. Mm-hmm. So when he's like, oh, I'm in there and there's these people, they said they're the Tonica sisters. Anyway, they're probably clones or something. And, you know, at first you're kind of like, oh man, you don't know what's up. And you're like, oh no, wait, he does. This was like... Way before the fucking Mistral Guard was here. Yeah, before Shada, Carolee, and Manda Ducal or whatever showed up. I think I got their first and last name switched. Yeah, probably. But, uh, yeah, Manda, Car- yeah. Anyway, before the before this Mistral Shadow Guard lady show up, he sees the actual Tonica sisters that they will one day impersonate. Yes. That's a great little aside to, men- to throw in there. Because yeah. otherwise, he should definitely note that they are not clones. Because one of them is like four inches taller than the other one. Oh, yeah, definitely. And he is one of those people that is very much like I make fun of humans for not noticing things. He has his whole joke in there that's like, Oh, yeah. Hey, Wooher, what do you call someone that speaks three languages? Uh, trilingual. What do you call someone that speaks two languages? Bilingual. What do you call someone that speaks one language? Huh. Monolingual. No, human. I love that joke because he, he also stops briefly to make fun of humans where he's like, like, oh, humans are the only food that figured out how to fight back. They're one of the very few omnivorous, intelligent species in the galaxy. Uh, and, and he's like, but they're still weak and stupid. Too bad they're everywhere. And all I could think at the time was, was, you know what, buddy? Maybe you're right. Maybe your species sucks. But we sure did seem to win at Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> we win at being Star Wars. Because we're everywhere. If there's one huge war going on, it's not between humans and whatever. It's between humans and more humans. <laughs> also, I do like that when he tells that fucking uh, language joke to Wu Her, Wu Her begins to laugh and then cuts it off. He's like, oh, wait a minute, you're making fun of humans. God damn it. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. Wait, hold on. Hey, fuck you. <laughs> also, I just remembered, you're not funny. Hold on. <laughs> you're a dick. <laughs> Quit smiling at me with the sharp teeth. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there you go. That was our, our chapter for this week. Yeah, coming up next week, it's the sand people tale. Oh, it's the Jawa tale. It's them Jawas. Which means we finally get John introduced to an author that everyone knows and loves in the Star Wars universe, Kevin J. Anderson. Yep, it's time for some Janderson. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, whether you love him or hate him, you definitely hate him because he wrote the Sun Crusher. <laughs> Kevin J. Anderson coming at you next week. And if you don't want to wait a whole week for more of this sweet, delicious Star Warsian content... If you are a patron of us on Patreon at the $2 level, you can get access to our bonus content. That's right. Our boner content is available to you. And our boner content always tells us when women are nearby. <laughs> Ten elephants whose boners indicated the presence of women. I had 11 elephants. Their penises all pointed true north. That's how I found my way back home when I was lost in the jungle. I had to make a bridge out of a dozen elephants. Use their bones, I did. <laughs> they, I didn't kill them. They were just all carrying around bones. <laughs> Use their copies of the DVDs of Bones. <laughs> Not a fan of David Boreanaz. <laughs> Thirteen elephants. <laughs> uh, yeah, so if you support us on patreon.com slash system mastery, we have bonus content for you. We're diving into that Wikipedia. We are going to have something that has to do maybe tangentially with this chapter. And we're, we're running out of stuff that has to do with bars, so who knows, right? <laughs> yeah, so uh, we will have that, and we are going to tell each other some stories from Wikipedia. And, of course, if you are a patron as well, that gives you the bonus content for System Mastery. More bonus shows, a good thing to get. So uh, if you want, you can go to SystemMasteryPodcast.com, find all of our shows there. You can listen to uh, this. You can listen to System Mastery, Movie Mastery, our old Afterthought content episodes. Whatever you want. Everything's there for your perusal. And, of course, you can find us on social media as System Mastery on pretty much everything. Yeah, all those various sites. You can find us on wonderful sites like FarmersOnly.com, JDate. Oh, uh, hell yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, Reddit, Facebook, Twitter, and Gmail. Yeah, we've got our subreddit, r slash System Mastery. Go down there. Mm -hmm. Give us a hoot and a holler. Yeah, give us a holler and a hoot. And uh, we've got a Discord. You can find that pinned on our Twitter page. You can get into our Discrad. Yeah, And come there on are in. a bunch of people talking about a bunch of random crap at all times. Yeah, come on in. Come on, talk about whatever you want, but not politics. Yeah, do not talk about politics, please. Stop we have a it. thread for it, but it's basically a quarantine zone at this point. <laughs> Don't go in there. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us on this little journey. Jeff, is there anything you wanted to say to the people? Yes, patreon.com slash system master. Patreon.com, patreon.com, patreon.com. Apply directly to your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So thank you so much for listening. We have been Elan Sleaze Bagano, and we enjoy the Death Sticks. Death Sticks.